0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Year Asian Americans. This is your host, Jerry Wan, and welcome to May 1st and Asian Pacific American Heritage Month here in the States. It's a month where we celebrate the people, the creations, the contributions, and the inspirational stories that really bring us all together and really inspire us to do greater things in our home, America. So happy to be sharing stories alongside so many friends, organizations, and movements about all that, and so much more, not just today, not just this month, but for a long, long time. So join us today as we hear from our conversation with Tony Lam, whose life began in Vietnam shortly before the fall of Saigon, Uh, whose family navigated their lives through um, California, and now he is the proud owner of multiple restaurants and an advisor and board member of so many organizations, and more importantly, doing work that makes him happy And doing work that inspires so many others through his business relationships and the mentoring that he provides. So enjoy. There's so many lessons to be learned from Tony here. So glad to have in my life. Thanks again to Ty for introducing us. And I cannot wait for you to hear a conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tony Lam. Hey everybody, welcome to the Asian Americans. I am your host Jerry Wan, and wherever you may be listening to this show. Uh, and whenever you may be listening to it, I hope you're safe. I hope you are staying healthy. Hope you're staying inside, washing your hands, keeping your distance, all the things that we collectively need to do right now um, to help us get through challenging times. i so excited to have my guest on today. Um, he has taken a very, I would, some would say non-traditional, but I think it just makes sense as far as our evolution of, of us being a human being goes. Um, from a long career in traditional technology, to entrepreneurship in many different ways, um, and as the winner of a show that I'm just a, personally a big fan of, um, would love to welcome Tony Lamb to the show today. Hi, Tony.
1: Hi, Jerry. Thank you for having me on your show. Very honored to be on it. Thank you.
0: Hey, th- thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh, big props to our friend Ty for connecting us, um, who's been a real joy in my life, and um, really enjoyed having that conversation with him, and, and looking forward to learning more about you today. Um, so when we, when we look at the paper version of Tony, it's a very great story um, of traditional employment in a tech world that spanned more than 14 years. And, and now to um, what you are working on right now, which is a, a beverage, a coffee beverage, uh, a Vietnamese coffee beverage that is paying homage to your uh, home country, but also to a U.S. market. And I, I find it fascinating. I find it inspiring. So I want to know where Tony came from and how did the Lamb family end up here for them to give you these opportunities to do all these amazing things. Um, so share with us a little bit about how uh, you guys ended up stateside. Um, when did it happen? Where did it happen initially? And um, tell us about growing up as Tony.
1: Yeah, so my life started, uh, you know, in 75. So I'm going to be honest with you, I'm 45 years old. So uh, uh, born in Vietnam. And uh, three months later, fall of Saigon, you know, a very big uh, moment in the history of Vietnam, uh, where the U.S. troops are pulling out of Vietnam, um, telling, you know, the Southern government, Southern province, like, guys, uh, here's your opportunity to uh, leave the country. Uh, Being three months old, you know, uh, it was a very tough decision for my parents. You know, like, now we drop everything, you know, do we drop everything and go on a boat and where the heck are we going to go? Right. And so my father, he tells, he tells me of this harrowing you know, story, because obviously I was only three months when this all happened. And, you know, he tells me the time where he basically went to his father and said, Hey, uh, dad, my grandfather, um, we're wanting to go, we're going to flee the country and my grandfather at that time says, you know, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stay behind. Uh, you know, your your brothers, your older brother and sister, um, they're going to stay with us. I want you to leave my grandson, you know, which is me, um, to stay stay behind, you know, so that you and uh, Van, which is my mother, you know, you guys can go. But he's just too young. You know, he's not going to make it. Hmm. And, uh, so, you know, my father had to make a decision, you know, this time he was in his mid twenties, you know, so you know, really young guy had to make one of the biggest decisions of his life. And he says, no, I'm going to take, uh, um, Donan, which is my real Vietnamese name, mm. uh, with us. So they essentially dropped everything, you know, and hopped onto a boat. And, uh, fortunately on my mother's side, a lot of my grandmother on my mother, my mother's side and her, her uh, older brothers and sisters also accompanied us on this trip. Uh, but more so, uh, you know, on her side, but not so many, only the younger brother, my father, went with us on, on uh, to, when fleeing the country. So we hopped on a boat, uh, narrowly escaped the Communist uh, Party. You know, they were just, you know, whoever was going through the Saigon River, they were just stopping them and, you know, uh, trying to capture... Um, where was trying to escape. But fortunately, you know, we made it through, uh, you know, you've heard a lot of different stories about families uh, making this trip. Uh, my story is the same thing, you know, they were starving, they were hungry, hungry, there was mutiny. I mean, it was, you know, all the nasty stuff that you could possibly imagine that, you know, I, I was too, I was only a baby, but, you know, just my father has nightmares when he talks about those things, you know? And so it, it psychologically, you know, um, I remember when I was younger, I, I, when I was, um, you know, sleeping right next to him, I could see those nightmares. He'll be, you know, uh, speaking in his uh, dreams, you know, uh, about that whole experience. But, uh, so we fled the com- country, um, and, uh, we were refugees, uh, in the Philippines. And uh, we were there for about six months. And while this was all happening, there was the Catholic charities in the U.S. So all the church organizations basically said, guys, there's a bunch of Vietnamese refugees. We would love for you guys to help Vietnam out. So how many of you guys want to sponsor a family? Now, you know, I, I know there was, you know, over... 20 or 25 in my entire family with the aunts, uncles, and the kids and everything. Mm -hmm. So obviously not one sponsor can, you know, take all of that. Right. So our families had to be split up, you know, so I had cousins that went to uh, Virginia, West Virginia. I had some that went to Michigan. We happened to be picked up by a family in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this American family basically uh, brought us in, um, They uh, both of them were teachers, you know, and so they were English teachers, actually. Mm. So very, very fortunate that we had uh, a family like that. They said, here's a house. We want you to stay over here, but we can only take six of you guys. So don't, (laughs) you know, I'm really sorry. But, you know, you guys have to um, have other sponsorships, you know, and that's how we split up. But um, they, they put food on the table. They put a roof over our head. And, um, you know, it was truly, uh, 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 you know, when my parents talk about this story, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm really blessed to see, you know, uh, a family, a total stranger uh, do something like this for us, not knowing who the heck we are. But they did, you know, and I'll never forget that. Uh, The the parents are now, uh, I call them my grandparents, you know, they're now in heaven. But uh, their kids, they have three kids. They're still alive. They're still down in Southern California. Um, I still keep in contact with them. I keep in contact with their kids now, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's full circle. I got to meet the, you know, now I'm, I'm really getting to know their kids now. Um, That's but beautiful. we got full on to it. But uh, we went from uh, Southern California to Northern California because my father said we wanted to start a new life. And I don't want to be dependent on the sponsor. I appreciate what they did and uh, right before he left you know he told me he said you know i, I told them that for every single month that we stayed with you i'm going to pay you rent back i don't have the money yet but i will pay you um rent you know for for the time that we, we stayed there so you know we we came up to uh the bay area my father's highest education was a a double a um a Back in school, he studied uh, physics, but, uh, you know, he, he got his degree at San Jose um, City College with a, with uh, doing technical stuff. So he worked for Abbott Laboratories, uh, uh, gosh, for a very long time. So Abbott Laboratories is known for their medical devices. So these medical devices you would see in hospitals. So his role was to basically repair these medical devices. So for a good portion of his life, that's what he did was just fix things. And uh, my mother, um, the type of work that the type of trade that she did was, um, she was an assembler. So Mm. she worked for a company called Atari. So, you know, the video game company. And so she basically uh, did assembly work for for that company. (laughs) She later on did assembly work for another telecommunication company called Lucent Technologies. Um, So, so that's, you know, that was the work that they did. Um, so I, you know, I went, I studied in, you know, in the Bay Area, I went to elementary school, middle school, high school, uh, you know, we grew up in a poor neighborhood, um, my, my, my family and I, and, and, you know, there are things that I learned back then that still is in my head. And that is, you know, we didn't have a lot, but we had each other, mm-hmm. right? And we were poor, but you know, uh, my mom, basically my mom and dad, basically, I remember they would give us a hundred dollars. You know, I remember back in high school and they said, here's a hundred dollars. This is your budget to buy whatever clothes you need, clothes and shoes. That's all you get, you know? And so you had to, you know, wait for the sales and everything like that to buy the the shirt and, and, and pants and shoes to go with it. But, uh, you know, by all means, I, you know, uh, I did not grow up rich or anything like that. So a lot of it was, was hard work. And so, um, I studied, um, after high school, I went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, my major was business, you know, um, one of the very fortunate things I had was I had very supportive parents, right. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't push me to become a doctor. They didn't push me to become a lawyer or you know, any the you know, high professions. But they said, you know, I told them I want to do business, you know, and they didn't know what that really meant. You know, they, they for, for them, they thought that I was going to be like a bank teller, to be quite honest with you, <laughs> 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 that a, a business person would do. But I said, no, no, there's there's other things I'm going to do, Dad. So my ba- my major in, in, uh, at, in college was business. Uh, my concentration was uh, finance management information systems. And um, I had a computer science minor. So I had a tech background, you know, uh, as well, as well as business. So uh, during my senior year, um, I interviewed for, for uh, four companies, um, or I should say I got four offers for four companies down uh, back in 97. So this is right around the dot com. And I had a choice of uh, going to consulting with uh, Coopers and Libran. It was one of the big six uh hp was a very popular company um hewitt associates which is a, which was another uh consulting company and mm-hmm. then cisco cisco systems and so you know at that time people were, were wondering like cisco what the heck is cisco and all oh, they make <laughs> routers what the hell's a router you know, like, <laughs> you know why wouldn't you want to work for hp they make printers and they make computers and things like that and I have no idea what the router is, but you know, um, it's the, the, you know, the backbone of the internet, you know, right. The internet was just <laughs> coming out during this time. Right. And so the internet boom was just coming out. And, um, so I said, I accepted a job with Cisco. Um, my salary at that time was $42,000. I basically made double what my, uh, my dad was making. Yeah. And, you know, it just, Just shows you, you know, uh, back then it was a little crazy in terms of um, the uh, the salary differences. But, uh, anyways, um, I I worked at Cisco for um, fourteen years during that time, and I—that's rare now. Yeah, Uh, and it was a roller coaster ride. So during that time in '97, I went through the dot com and. I'll be honest with you. I was a million dollar on paper two years into the company. I'm like, how the heck? I've gone through five stock splits and it's only been two, three years. And so on paper, I was worth a million dollars with options, with options, you know, but <laughs> you can imagine that, you know, uh, that's when everything tanked in 2001. So, you know, your, your life is you know has its ups and downs, and I definitely felt that when I was uh, you know, going through Cisco. Uh, but I did, I did, I was able to sell some stock during that time, you know, where I uh, you know, I had some savings, and I just said, well, you know, when I find that right opportunity, I would you know, invest in, in a business I just didn't know what it was. But a lot of you know, people tell me today, you know, uh, is you know, when they graduate, you know, is it is it a good idea to go to corporate or should I just do a mm. dealership? Right. And, you know, to be honest with you, I look at I look back then and I have to say, if you have the opportunity to work in corporate, I would highly advise it. Because why? Because you learn the fundamentals, you know, of um, of a lot of things that I learned. Uh, I learned about process, you know, writing up procedures uh, and, you know, ensuring that, you know, um, there are. process and procedures in place uh, should someone um, should you leave someone can easily read over it and, and get up right. to speed right away you know so that you're not having to do the same thing over and over again training someone over and over again um, I learned about um, customer service because I was a network support engineer mm. and um, you know I had um, uh, I supported telecommunication companies that were paying millions and millions of dollars for support. right? And I had to give them top notch service to win their business. right? I had an opportunity. I learned that for like 10 years. I, and just to give you an idea how, how much, uh, you know, how well I did, I got my, at the end of each, uh, issue, uh, a ticket, uh, issue, um, what do you call it? Service ticket. Yeah. They would give you a survey one out of five. During my 10 years, I ended up with 4.7 out of 5. Wow. So, awesome, you man. know, I really, you know, I really uh, took that, um, you know, experience and applied it down the road. But, uh, yeah, so uh, during this time, uh, a co-worker of mine, a colleague of mine said, Tony, um, hey, my husband and I, we we, we were in Texas, and we uh, went to this wing joint. It's called Wingstop." These wings are like really delicious, man. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of opening a restaurant like that in the Bay Area. So I said, okay, you know, what I, I, I what do I know? I've never, you know I, I know, I know how to eat food. I don't know how to cook food, right? So um, there was one in the Bay Area in Oakland, California, went up there, tasted it, fell in love with it, flew out to Texas and said, hey, to corporate and said, guys, um, I am really interested in opening, um, this, this wing concept. And they said, what experience do you have? I have none, but you know, I, I have the desire. I have the you know, uh, business acumen to, to succeed. Right. Uh, my partners and I were, were willing to open, uh, five locations. Wow. And, um, you know, they took, they took a chance on us. So they said, okay, here's your five. So we go back, we, um, you know, never opened in a restaurant before. We opened the very first one. Now, granted, uh, you know, I'm still at Cisco at this time. Right. Okay. I'm still at Cisco at this time. Uh I took my the, the stock money that I sold to to put into this investment. And here we are. We it took uh you know a year to open the very first store and we're you know we're we're pounding our chests and saying, Yeah, we got this and We lose a hundred thousand dollars after the first year we're like oh what the heck is going on here you know like i thought this business is a profitable business
0: yeah
1: right and so you know we we had to learn the hard way right i mean for the good when i first started i rolled up my sleeves with with my other partners i had four other partners at that time and uh you know i remember those days where uh, our store is open from 11 to midnight and we would be there from 10 o'clock to like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning because uh-huh. this was all new to us, right? But uh, it was a wake-up call because then, you know, uh, we start questioning each other, like, did we make the right investment here,
0: hmm.
1: you know? And so I said, we, we, we have, we're supposed to open four more together. So for the second one, we um, found a great location. We said, let's find a better location. Let's see if we could find a, a strong anchor store. And we opened one in Fremont, California, where mm. there was a Costco, you know, literally um, across the street from us. And uh, fir- first year went through; it was profitable. We're like, oh. okay, you know, they teach you in business: location, location, location. And you know, guys, remember that it's location, location, location. <laughs> and so we we ended up opening the third, fourth fifth store, looking at the best locations with a with a strong anchor store, and we were profitable. Um, you know, with, with that fast forward, um, you know, 15 years later now, you know, um, I now have five wing stops. There are now almost 50 wing stops in the entire uh, Bay area. Wow. Um, I am the marketing president for these 50 locations. I've been doing this for eight years now. So I'm very fortunate, very, I'm in a blessed position because I always wanted to do marketing, you know, Mm. and. I've been blessed to be able to have a $1.5 million budget where I oh. get to work with an ad agency and we buy TV ads, radio ads, digital marketing. We're the official wings of the Golden State Warriors, even. You know, so, you know, awesome. whoever gets to be in that, you know, that position. So very blessed. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to, you know, also educate people, you know, what has worked, what sort of campaigns have worked and what hasn't, right? Because, There are some campaigns where we took the budget, spent one hundred thousand dollars and we got zero, you know, um, increase in sales because of it. Yeah. You know, but not too many people can just throw one hundred thousand dollars and experiment what works and what doesn't work. Sure. Right. Um, So, you know, what what are the privileges? Is it paid position? No, this is not a paid position to do this um, marketing co-op. What I do have to say is at least I get to select campaigns that's beneficial for the entire um, co-op we call it right so my co-op starts from almost napa valley all the way to Gilroy, uh east to livermore that's that big circle that uh, up in the bay area that i focus on and uh it's my job to make sure every single customer sales goes up the reason why this is so important was because when i first had my first store i wanted to do marketing. And my very first marketing campaign was radio. Okay, mm-hmm. so there was only two stores at that time. I wanted to do radio. It was nine thousand dollars, and I, and this is a great story because I remember that day very clearly. The radio station went to me and said, "Tony, I got a great package for you. Okay, um, three months we'll play you three times a day, and it's going to be nine thousand dollars." And I said, "Okay, tell me tell me more. Like you know, what times are we going to be played at?" And said. 10 p.m., 2 a.m., and 5 a.m. How does that sound? I'm like, who the hell listens <laughs> to the radio during this time? Why am I throwing nine thousand dollars into this campaign, right? And so uh, I said, okay, let's try it. You know, I guess not knowing better, I, I said, okay, let's give it a try. Not very good uh, results out of it. <laughs> not trying to build brand-, brand awareness, not really good results out of it. But you know, as more wingstop other franchisees got on board, um, I, I kind of said to them, hey guys, um, I want to do radio. Can we can we combine our our marketing budgets together? And they were like, uh, no, y- you go ahead and do radio. But it's unfair because I want to do radio. They not they might not want right. to do radio, but they're only, you know, three, five miles down the street from me. So it's not like I can go to the radio station and say, hey, restrict the airwaves five <laughs> miles away. I- <laughs> You know, so they're benefiting, they're benefiting from this, right? Right. And then, so then that's when, you know, we said, hey, we're going to form a, we're going to form a co-op and mm. everybody needs to pull their money into this, into this bu- bucket. And that's how we're able to get this million dollar. beautiful. Budget. Yeah. And so now we get played on the radio at 11 a.m., 5 p.m., mm. 8 p.m. during the times, you know. People get hungry. People get hungry. You see, so if people, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they said, "Tony, I want to open a franchise, right?" And the very first advice I tell them is, "Guys, you got to build that brand awareness." Yeah, you know, it's so important. You know, you might have the the the, the best product out there, and I truly believe we have the best wings, you know, in the world—not not in the U.S. market, but in the world. You know that you you know how do you um, communicate or how do you reach out to your customer is really important you know your 9000 budget your nine thousand dollar you know annual budget is not going to do that it's not going to happen mm. so that's why you pull you invest in a franchise or you if you plan on opening a franchise you tell those franchisees to put their money into a bucket to um to do that
0: so. you got to be hungry for Wingstop now. It's, it's 5 o'clock when we're recording, so <laughs> um, I, I know we have one in our city, so I, I might go get it after. Um, so you started Wingstop and started investing in restaurants, uh, Not again, as you mentioned, not as your primary job or source of income, but in addition to your day job at Cisco. Um, when did you, how far into the Wingstop venture did you leave Cisco, and was it then to focus on the restaurant stuff full-time?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, after I opened my fifth location, which I was I signed up for, uh, one year after that, that's when I left Cisco to wow. to uh you know focus on the restaurant business, um you know one hundred percent. But uh, people will tell you, you know, Tony just doesn't sit in one place. He's <laughs> all the time so I did have that itch again to go back into technology. You know, and um, so while Wingstop was, you know, uh, sort of on autopilot pretty much uh, after opening the fifth store, you know, I wanted to see what are the other opportunities out there. And so uh, one of the things that I did was a partner and I created an app in 2011. That's when I left Cisco after 14 years. And iOS came out in 2000. Sorry, uh, the iPhone came out in 2007. And, uh, you know, the internet, uh, the, sorry, the uh, app store was, you know, gaining traction of people wanting to develop apps. And so my oh. partner and I, you know, she left her company and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I was only with Wingstop at that time. We um, worked on a project where, where we were building an app that allowed you to book with service providers. So we wanted to be the one-stop shop to book your dentist appointment, your doctor's appointment, your kid's activity, mm. even your, even your restaurant, you would go to our app to be able to do that. So, you know, uh, we would be the one-stop shop. So uh, we worked on that uh, with a, a team out in uh, India uh, to develop this. And uh, you know, we, we had a chicken and egg problem and, and that was the service providers would would ask us, so tell me, how many users do you have on the app, right? <laughs> and so we would say, well, I got about like 30 users. they are like, well, that's not enough. And then the users would say, well, how many service providers, how many dentists, doctors, and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. I got about like 50. Well, I don't even see my doctor on there, Tony. So you you have this chicken and uh, egg problem, yeah. you know, trying to get users. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning quite a bit at this point because, you know, back then, uh, I didn't know what user acquisition was mm. because it's only been four years the iPhone came out. And, right. you know, it, it costs a lot of money, even though you might have a great app, it costs a lot of money to uh, acquire a user. So a big portion of our budget went towards um, development, more so in mm. development. We, we, we spent some money on marketing, but it was not big enough to... Uh, accommodate user acquisition so at the end of the day uh, we had to close close shop and um, you know i do believe you know in fate, right because that company that developed our app hired me to become to lead their program management Mm. so for the next Five years, I got to work with the high tech companies again the uh. Intel's, the Verizon, the Gilead sign. I mean, I was a contractor and I was, um, you know, running the enterprise mobility, uh, you know, uh, projects for these large companies. Now, during this time, um, the whole app craze started to take off. And so there's all these now young entrepreneurs out there saying, I got this great app idea. And having gone through that whole process myself back in 2011, these guys would come to me and say, Hey, Tony, uh, can I, you have restaurants. Can we somehow work together? Can I, mm. test my app on, you know, at your store and everything. They're all related to, you know, one was a labor force app. One was a, a voice ordering app. One was um, uh, what, what was it? Um, uh, phone ordering as well. So, you know, these guys, they wanted to uh, get into the hospitality. So I kind of jumped on board, worked with them in developing uh, the app and helping them get their apps into more in the restaurant industry. And so uh, so now I sit on the board for five, five of these tech app companies uh, today. And it was, you know, so having learned from my uh, prior experience, you know, I paid a high tuition on that. Yeah. And now I'm able to help these guys out and say, let's not make the same mistakes, you know, uh, and I can I can guide you. I can mentor you on, on how we navigate through this today. I'm still with those five tech companies. Unfortunately, three of them have gone through series A, one seed round and the other one's bootstrapping. But, you know, I'm planting the seeds right now um, and I'm just waiting for the fruit to grow, uh, you know, and hopefully one of them will, will, will make it big.
0: Well, I mean, you, you, you've done a lot, right. And I think check the parent expectation box by going to a big blue chip name like Cisco and putting in her 14 hours or 14 years rather, excuse me. And then, but you still, you know, did what you wanted to do, but you were patient about it. You know, yeah. you waited many, many years, um, eight years to be exact from uh, starting your first day at Cisco and then to even dreaming about that. And, um, you know the economy as we're going through now is is a fickle fickle beast, and there's a lot of things that we cannot control. Um, so I, I do think there's there's a lot of lessons on patience and and putting your head down and doing what you need to do. And as you mentioned, um, four point seven number, which you still remember after all these yeah. years, which is not just a number but a reflection of the lives and and the the emotions that you created. So I, that is so cool. Um, let let's bring this up to the last couple years you still have your wing stops they yeah. you know um and and i bet even though you don't get paid you might go to a a, a game or two um <laughs> to, to, to watch the warriors which might be an ancillary benefit um Absolutely.
1: Uh, so not I, a, i'm officially now a season ticket holder <laughs> uh,
0: you know i i got a chance to walk through chase center during the construction because one of my good friends was a project manager on the construction team yeah. um have not yet been to a game since it was finished but Man, what what a beautiful building and, you know, uh, beautiful, beautiful place. Um, If somebody finds Tony Lamb on LinkedIn, they see three words. And it's not Tony. It's not chicken. It's not Cisco. It is Shark Tank winner. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, that's um, so. About four and a half years ago, uh, one of my friends, um, he has a, a, um, a sandwich shop. He had these macaron ice cream sandwiches that he was selling for, for a friend. They're now my two, uh, the two sisters are now my partner. But he went to me and he said, Tony, um, you know, I I, I buy these uh, macaron ice cream sandwiches, 400 of them, and they're sold out in four hours. Wow. Like, wow. I mean, is it is it really that good? <laughs> so I had to go and try it myself. And sure enough, that's what I did. I went down, tasted it. And I said, wow, this is really good. And, uh, you know, me being an entrepreneur said, you know, well, let's let's see, maybe I could invest in this, right? So I met uh, Gwen and Christine. Um, they basically baked this macaron ice cream sandwich literally out of their garage. Wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, we have pictures of that. And, and uh, you know, I go, you know, so we have this meeting and I asked them, what is it that you need? And they said, we need investment money. We need a person that can Help with sales and do some marketing. And to be quite honest with you, uh, other than the Wingstop marketing, I've never really done sales my entire life. Mm. But that was that was needed. But my my thing was uh, I had access to uh, restaurants, right? I, right? I'm a restaurant owner, so my network of restaurants and being able to speak their lingo, you know, uh, you know, uh, I would be a good fit for that. And so, uh, knocked on the doors for 120 different restaurants. Wow. And, you know, basically said, hey, I got this great freezer. I got this really uh, trendy, you know, dessert product right here. You know, would you like to carry us? Right. And, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, they all said yes. Um, You know, one of the things that I was able to do was I paid it forward, which was um, I gave them some advice on marketing. You know, Mm -hmm. when you ask them, like, so tell me when you got started. They told me about it. So what kind of marketing do you do? Uh, we don't do any, you know, that's, that's not the right answer, you know? And again, I was blessed because I got this large marketing budget. I'm able to do all these different tests and uh, I gave them some advice and just from, you know, I'm just a nice guy, right? I'm a a real giving guy. So I, I was giving them all this advice. And so they're, they're now saying, okay, I'll carry your, your, your product. And, um, we were able to get into 120 locations. Now, you know, there's, there's two things that I tell people. It's kind of funny that, you know, in life, you got to have these two variables. It's, um, luck and timing. We had some luck and timing on our side. And, uh, I'll give you an example. Two buyers from, um, the grocery chain, Safeway and Whole Foods. They happened to go to a restaurant that, um, carried our freezer. And, you know, they finished their meals at the restaurant and they said, wow, let's check out this dessert. And so sure enough, they tasted it and they said, wow, it'd be great to see if these guys want to want us to carry them. So we uh, so they called us up. They called us up. They said, hey, that's the
0: dream up. to have them call you. Yeah,
1: exactly. We were like the Apple product out there, you know, <laughs> like God, this is so easy. Right. So we came to them. We we sampled the product. Um to Whole Foods first and Whole Foods said, okay, let me uh, let me eat this product. They loved it. Now show me the ingredients to this. So they looked at the ingredients and they looked at us and they said, I'm sorry to inform you guys, but we can't carry your product here. We're Ooh. like, whoa, why not? Because you have a lot of the ingredients that we are not allowed to sell to our consumers and we're Ooh. like, what kind of ingredients you know, are you talking about? Yeah, well, you have artificial flavor you got corn syrup, you know, uh, you know as part of the ingredient, right? And so they they that was a no-no to them. Now they said, now the cool thing was they said, "Why don't you take the product back and if you can change the formulation and remove these ingredients, we will consider it." So went back 6 months later came with a cleaner product, all natural. So we gave it to them, they fell in love with it. They said, you know what? This is the perfect product. Wow. We removed our signature macaron ice cream sandwiches and replaced it with all natural. So our marketing is we, we are the very first all natural macaron ice cream sandwich manufacturer in the world. So that's how we market our product. Okay. Um, so Safeway said, well, if Whole if Foods said yes, then we're going <laughs> to say yes to <laughs> That <laughs> makes sense. We, we don't need to, to go through that. So, uh, you know, uh, then my partner, Gwen, approached me and said that, hey, Tony, uh, CES is happening in um, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I want to go. Um, and so I kind of told her that, you know, we have an investor meeting that same day. You know, do you honestly think that Shark Tank would actually say yes to us? Like they would actually invest <laughs> in a macaroni ice cream sandwich? And she was very confident. She said, yeah, I do think so. I'm like, OK, you know what? Go for it, you and your sister. Go ahead and do it. So they take up now. They they book a flight. And they get there uh, two days later. You know, uh, wake up really early in the morning. Yeah. The first one thousand people to get a bracelet gets to pitch. So you're bypassing the whole video, um, submitting the video process at this time. Right. Uh, so as long as you're the very first thousand. So uh, so. <laughs> So they get a they they get a pitch. They don't, you only get 60 seconds to pitch. And you know, back to back to luck and timing. Luck and timing, right? So they go and they pitch 30 seconds into the pitch. The judge stops them and says, "Wait a minute here. You guys are the owners of Davis Creamery. You guys are the ones that came up with this product?" They said, "Yes, sir." "Well, you know what? I live in a city called Morgan Hill. Morgan Hill is 30 miles south of San Jose." Um, the local Safeway actually carries your product there. And yep, that's correct. I've actually had your product and it's absolutely delicious. And, you know, I know they were disappointed that they didn't get to finish the other 30 seconds of their pitch, but, uh, you know, we ended up getting to the, uh, the final round, uh, after all that, we made it to the final round with, uh, with, uh, the, the, sharks. Right, and uh, you know, they pitched it to the sharks. We uh, on TV. We 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 uh, we got one shark to to bite on us and you know, to invest in us. And uh, you know, the company, the sales took off. We got so many uh, people contacting us uh, from uh, retail to um, American Airlines to even Disney. Hmm. You and so um, in four and a half years, you know, you can imagine like from starting from a garage to striking a deal on Shark Tank is, you know, a fairy tale come true. And, you know, I'm just I'm proud to represent, you know, the Vietnamese community, you know, and, and showing that, you know, dream, dreams can come true. You know, you put your your mind and the hard work to it, you know. And so um, it's been it's been a great experience.
0: I, I watch the show a lot. Um, I love the show and it is one of these moments where when you see, so I, I've watched probably, I haven't, I can't say I watched every episode, but I watched a lot and your eyes light up. My eyes light up. My ears perk up when you see one of us on the show. Yeah. That's just the thing that happens across the board. Obviously, you know, uh, I'm a few years younger than you, but we grew up in an era where we didn't see a lot of people like us. Mm-hmm. So when you see, I remember watching this episode. Um, I also remember watching um, uh, Don's episode, the, the gentleman that makes the shirts mm-hmm. um, and also Lolly Cup, the Korean American yeah. couple from LA that makes the baby you know, sippy cup. And, and so there's just not a lot of us on the show to begin with. So when they do come, it's super cool because As representation goes, it just allows you to believe it just a little bit more, right? Because for so long, maybe overtly or maybe subtly, we've been told we don't belong in certain places, in certain conversations, in certain rooms. Um, And I'll tell you, um, you know, you have a relationship with the investor that was, you know, uh, partnering with you now, but that show actually brought me, or that portion, your company, brought me so much joy and I don't know if it's something only I observed or other people yeah. observe but it is one of the very, 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 very few diverse entrepreneur investments that she has made. I noticed that, right? So um, when Damon tends to invest more often in Black entrepreneurs, yeah,
1: um,
0: we don't have representation in that boardroom. So you pay attention to who goes beyond the product, who thinks about the entrepreneur's story, um, who resonates with the struggle of the immigrant story to say, this is bigger than ice cream. This yeah. is about making good on our family sacrifice, coming out of war-torn countries, um, to pay homage to our parents who work to put us where we are. So it, it was so special to me to, to watch not only that episode, but for every other episode that has immigrants in there um, because and it's TV, right? like they they do the emotional stuff, but they cut this much content into that much that makes it to TV. so we know that the conversations are deeper, um, but from just an, a fan's perspective of seeing two uh, Vietnamese American sisters who can be my friends, can be my daughter one day, right to to get a shot, and yes, it's the American dream, yes, capitalism. They say the market judges and market doesn't see color, but yes, it does. And particularly in a process like a reality TV show where the gates are subjective, people decide who get to go through, not, you know, so um, it was so cool um, to see it Um, good for them. Good for you. It is coolest part, I think, and you'll never know the full impact of this is the little Vietnamese kids who watch that show, the little Asian kids that watch that show. And, you know, it's on TV every day because they syndicate it like crazy. And um, for you to even share that story here might encourage some of our viewers to go then rewatch that episode because they watch it with a different perspective, right? It's no longer two strangers or, you know, two girls who, what, like, you know, you sell ice cream out of a garage. What's the big deal? You know, watch it, hear the story, you know, think about why they're doing it. Think about why you do what you do. And it just makes all the sense in the world because um, there's a lot of different ways to make money. Um, and, you know, pouring your heart into something beyond profit or beyond uh, cash flow is, is something that many of us dream of doing one day because money's money, but impact is impact. Um, so the next thing that you did, which you're working on now sort of marries, all your business experience, all of your marketing expertise, and is really an homage to your birthplace of taking a beverage that many of us in the Asian American community almost instantly identify with Vietnamese culture because we've had it at restaurants and at various places. Um, But you figured out a way to put Vietnamese coffee with plant-based milk into a bottle and... That's your next big thing. Tell us about that.
1: The company that I'm involved with today, uh, owners with, uh, I have two other partners, uh, Tammy and Weston. It's called OmniBev. And so Tammy, uh, my partner, she's also an entrepreneur. She has her own makeup brand. Uh, She Mm -hmm. sells vegan brushes called Luxie Beauty. And, uh, you know, you would find her her product today in uh, Macy's, Nordstrom, Sephora. So she's a very accomplished entrepreneur herself but um, you know when she went back to vietnam to go visit her family um she spoke with her uncle who lives in the lat vietnam and he owns one of the largest coffee bean plantation in the world and not too many people know this but huh. vietnam is now the number two producer and exporter in coffee beans number one is brazil yeah we beat okay. out colombia we're wow too. yeah and so you know why isn't vietnamese coffee you know uh known you know no and it's because of uh you know um most coffee uh, uh countries they grow the arabica beans yep uh, we're known for the robusta beans oh. right and so the robusta beans has is a little bit more caffeinated but anyways her uncle basically said hey i got this plantation how do I, how can I get into the U.S. market, right? He's in, now he's selling his beans in Europe, you know, and everything over there, but he, he wants to penetrate the U.S. market. So she comes along and she says, let me do some R&D. And she comes back and she creates her version of nitro cold brew. On oh, TV. wow. People taste it. They love the product, right? So she basically says, you know, how, how, how do I get this product? to the masses and uh you know we have a common neutral friend that introduced us to one another and he basically said um tony uh, i want you to meet this uh, this gal her name's tammy she's been in the makeup industry uh beauty industry she needs help she's got a food product uh coffee you know is this something that you think you can help her with and i said you know i'm more than happy to help you know anybody you know and So I sat down with her, and, you know, I have to say she does a really good uh, recruiting job because she basically told me, you know, Tony, I have this product. Think about this, Tony, that people drink either every day or twice a day. This is the opportunity, right? Um, And so you can imagine, I'm running the numbers and everything. I said, wow, she's right, you know, uh, but... You know, there's just so many competitive coffee brands out there. You know, yeah. Do we honestly, can you can you honestly think that you can beat Starbucks and Pete's and Phil's? And I always love to prove the naysayers wrong. I love it when someone says, no, you can't beat these guys. They're too big for you. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, we went back and forth. And I'll be honest, I, I was not even a coffee drinker. You know, I don't even drink coffee, but what, you know, before I get into a project, I like to understand what people have to say about it. And so mm-hmm. I'm observing when we're doing pop-ups, I'm observing what the feedback is. And there's like they're telling me, wow, this coffee is actually pretty good. So I said, wow, you know what? Maybe she's on to something, you know. So I said, OK, let's do this. Right. So she's able to come up with now we have six cues in a matter of like I've been involved seven months now. Wow. Up with, yeah. Six SKUs, And um, we're doing focus group testing. We're testing it out. We came up with the final formulation literally five, six weeks ago. Wow. And so the true test was the following. We um, we were invited to do a pop up at Facebook. And, um, you know, Facebook said, hey, if we get enough positive feedback, we might carry you guys. Right. How cool would that be? Right. But, you know, there's there's Pete's, there's Stumptown, there's all these other different coffees. So, at the end of the day, we ended up with 60 positive feedback from employees. Um, we have a, a friend from Facebook that counted it for us, thank God. And uh, a typical vendor would only get 15 to 20. Wow. We got on the upper end triple of what, you know, upper end has, right? So, um, you know, Facebook uh, basically said, wow, you, you know, I'm very impressed. They tasted, they said, we want to carry you in our, on our campus. You know, the, 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 the opportunity is 200 micro kitchens. So wow. as we know, Facebook is a company that employees are not having to pay their meals. Correct. Right. So Facebook basically pays for these drinks. I mean, how is it that, you know, your very first account could be Facebook, Right. Now the only thing, I mean, uh, so this is all going on. It's not a done deal yet because the pandemic happened. Sure. Now everyone is working from home, so it's right now it's put on hold. But that didn't stop me from, you know, uh, going out and and um, you know meeting other companies and office right. offices and things like that. So um, uh, that was, you know, that's still on hold right now until things have picked up. But we were supposed to go to the Natural, West, Natural Product uh, Expo West, which is yep. one of the largest food yeah. companies, uh, uh, conferences. So we signed up for a booth. We have been planning for three months. You know, Jerry, we've been planning for three months. We're driving down to LA, and then we get to LA, and then we get an email that said, sorry, the show's canceled. Oh, <laughs> You know, so back to luck and timing. So I don't always get the...
0: (laughs) I mean, I I would argue that you got your test in at Facebook. I was thinking about that as you were sharing the story. Yeah. You got in a few weeks before the data is already there. You know, they made news a couple of days ago saying they're no longer going to have in-person events on a big scale until next year. But things will get back to whatever the new version of normal is at some point that's wild because you got in and got the green light and let's see what comes of it. Correct. But better than having it scheduled for today and it never transpiring. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the, and it's not just Facebook, it's the employees that work there. And yeah. all you need to do is figure out a way to go grab that coffee instead of the other one. Cause they're paying for neither. Yeah. And, the more they drink, the more this quote unquote invisible sell through, the more Facebook orders, and, and everybody has company, you know, friends and everything else. You, you know, Tony, what I find fascinating, and I think there is a bigger trend going, and I think it is this um, not only a physical, there, there is this virtual return to homeland effect that I see happening amongst our generation and even younger. Yeah. Of those of us, um, I came here from Korea when I was eight. So I remember life in Korea, but I also, you know, uh, generally grew up here. Um, We go through varying degrees of identity and association of what home means for us. And to be finally able to lean into that identity and no longer feel ashamed of it. Yeah. And then there's a grading, there's a big scale, right? Like shame. And then all the way to, this is going to be my brand that I proudly wear. And I'm going to be proud of the thing that defines my culture and no longer have to explain myself, justify why I do it. Um, but you were at Cisco for fourteen years. I, I've worked for very large companies and you know regular American companies for for about that time too, right? Like there's a tendency and almost pressure, um, not just from our peers, but sometimes even from our own families, to uh, don't maybe not suppress the Asian side, but don't flaunt it. You know, just keep your head down and, you know, blend in. And, you know, this is the don't pack your kimchi for lunch to take to school sort of conversation. Right. Like, um, but I I do see and and I hope that conversations like this really inspires even more. Um, You know, we we had a gentleman on the show, you know, his business is the Asian flush drinking card game. Mm -hmm. That's his business. It's leaning into the identity of us turning red And he has made a very profitable business in the Asian American community about drinking and the subculture of playing games while we drink. That's amazing, right? Like, and 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 this, you know, far beyond that, the evolution of then um, feeling proud to build a business around what makes us who we are, and not feeling ashamed of "quote unquote" monetizing your culture or selling out or you know none of that matters because we and especially with our children that are gonna grow up here um we need them to see our stuff on quote-unquote american supermarket shelves for them to understand that we have we belong here that you don't only find omnibev at 99 ranch and that you should you know um And we're still, you know, I I came as a kid too. So like, you know, very first time I saw kimchi at Costco, I was like, oh shit, we made it.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: but you know, the the hope and and the aggregate work of all the work that people like you are doing is to one day be like, why isn't there kimchi at Costco? Right? Why isn't there, why isn't Starbucks selling boba? Because it's just going to be a part of the America that we want it to be. Yeah. Um, so, so kudos to you, you know, um, now similar themes of uh, one of our other guests, um, Danny from Sunfish Sauce.
1: Yeah, I know Danny.
0: Similar story, right? Like bounce back and forth. And then finally, it's his, his brand now is taking something that his wife's family built for generations, yeah. but putting his own spin on it, making sense of every experience he's ever had mm-hmm. and putting it up in store shelves, in in kitchens, in the highest, most recognizable uh, restaurants and casinos on the strip. And that's the dream. That's, I think, it, it's funny because we always talk about, you know, validation within our culture, right? What needs to happen for, I say, our parents, but like the community to finally say, you made it. These weird things of like, oh, you got your product into this market. Of course, you would get it into H Mart because it's an Asian thing. But what if you get it into Whole Foods? That's when you know you've made it. Sure, we we still play upon that a little bit, but why not? I look forward to seeing brands like yours not squirreled away in the Asian food aisle that I hope to see your food prominently displayed out front with no distinction that it is an Asian thing or an Hispanic thing or anything because it's just food. It just happens to have its origins in a different part of the world, so there. There's so much. I know that I'm going to continue to learn from you as as we continue our friendship, and so I, I want to thank you. Um, before we wrap up, I, I know you have you, you've just given us a very very short version of all the lessons that you've learned running multiple franchise restaurants. We didn't even talk about your seafood restaurant. There's so much that you're involved in. Um, as we go through this thing um pandemic economic impact all that stuff um you've are experiencing yourself but let's for the sake of argument you are a seasoned veteran in the game and you've seen other ups and downs um Mm -hmm. share with us some insight and give some perspective to some of our um i don't even want to say younger brothers and sisters but people who are newer in the game newer entrepreneurs for whom this is their first big test a hurdle and, um, just give give them some calm, give them some perspective or let them know it's okay to freak out. Um uh.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, in the, in the food space, I mean, restaurants are definitely, they're, they're getting decimated. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have an opportunity here where I own a franchise, that's a huge brand, and I've also built independent restaurants, right? Um, the thing here is, Wingstop was 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 built for takeout, so um, actually, Wingstop actually did pretty well um, in this pandemic. Pandemic, we actually our sales went up, hmm. whereas my two other restaurants, the independent ones, are not very big brands. Uh, During the pandemic, we were down 70, I mean, at least 70 to 80% down on sales. So, you know, we had to to, uh, quickly think about what do we need to do? Because one of my um, restaurant is a sit-down restaurant, seafood sit-down restaurant, you know? And so how can we, uh, we need to pivot and how can we bring our sales back up, right? And so... Um, my two partners, Nelson and May, I mean, really creative. They said, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're going to structure, change our menu for takeout. That's one. Two, we're gonna promote it through our social media. We have eight over eight thousand Instagram followers out there. Let's let them know that you know we're still open. You know, during this pandemic, we're still open. We didn't close. So let's get the word out. Let's run some advertising, right?" Third one was, you know, this is where you have the community come together, right? You got these frontline uh, workers at hospitals, you know, sacrificing mm. their safety, you know, to help patients. You got these laid off restaurant, you know, colleagues, you know, of, uh, you know, of ours uh, where they're being laid off because there's no business with where they're currently working. And so these two, you know, um, came up with a, you know, they put their thoughts together and they said, hey, you know what? Um, let's find an organization mm. um, out there that that we can work with. That are, You know, we could collect donations. Or they want to make a donation on, uh, you know, these philanthropists, these donors, these nonprofit, where they're wanting to help restaurants stay afloat and we'll make the food for the frontline workers. Mm. That's what we did. So until, you know, there's a, a, you know, there's some money right now where we're being, um, you know, um, that's, that's our source of income. They're paying us to make the food for the frontline workers. So we had to pivot, you know, and figure out how can we bring other revenue stream, you know, during this pandemic. And so, you know, um, a a lot of the entrepreneurs out there, I I tell them, is like, you know, you got to pivot, you got to come up with something very creative. Most importantly, uh, on Facebook and also with my restaurants, I told them, I said, we need to double down on Facebook ads. Mm. Because why? Because a couple a couple things that we got going on here is one, Facebook ads, the the, the pricing to place ads has gone down significantly because no one can go shopping and everything. So right. this is our opportunity to promote. Everyone is in shelter in place. So that means that everyone author is going through their social media. <laughs>
0: Yes. Right. Oh, it's
1: 11 o'clock. And I just saw Wingstop. I saw, you know, Tony's Alomar, you know, restaurant just come. That looks delicious. <laughs> you know. And you promote that you do delivery or takeout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you have to double down uh, on, on ads. I mean, yes, you know, you might not be making money right now, but you got to do that so that people know that you're out there. Right. You know, and that's, that's exactly what we did. And so we've narrowed our, our losses of my other two stores to less than 30%. Wow. We were going from 70 to 80 to less than 30%. And, you know, uh, you know, and, it, and it, it continues to get better, you know, as we go. But, um, but, you know, that's, that's what I, I tell the young, young entrepreneurs, like, don't panic guys, you know, let's, you know, uh, you got to put on your thinking cap, you know, and you got to figure out like, you know, I see some restaurants today, you know, they, they're sit down, they changed from sit down to now meal kits.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. They, I mean, that's, that's how you should think about like yes. your business, you know, like, okay guys uh, you know, obviously this, this pandemic has happened. It makes you think about like in the future should it happen again, you're yep. now better prepared.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So um, th- th- those would be the, the, um, the advice that I would give the, the entrepreneur in the, in the food business, the restaurant
0: uh, restaurants. It, it's so inspiring, you know. We, we've had um, Stacey Kwong on the show. She runs a chain of boba stores, and um, she's making uh, boba kits for home. And she's such a hustler. Great. She drove them to my house, right? Like left them on my doorstep. Uh, and now she's worked with her co-packer to figure out how to deliver it across the country. <sighs> but in in the break time, right in the in the time that it took for her to get that through. She literally packaged up hundreds of these things, wow. made a delivery schedule all across Southern California, like made a factory out of it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know what the margins were because I can't figure that out. Right. Like, cause yeah. it was too cheap as far as I'm concerned for what they did to produce it. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, it keeps the cash flow going. It keeps her employees engaged, happy. And, and, you know, we have our brother wing, um, from Wahoo's down here yeah. who every day, I, I cannot believe this man. Every single day he's at another hospital, at another office, dropping off boatloads of food. Yeah. High five. It's ridiculous, right? And because and and here's the thing, you're not doing it for this reason. Neither is Stacy, neither is Wing. But people remember this stuff. Yeah. And when things go back, you will get rewarded because the people who are doing good are being noticed the companies and the organization that are using this as a cover to do mean things and bad things to their customers. And, you know, people are taking notice. We can't really do anything right now, but you know, there's no, this is not a time to hack the system. This is not a time to be opportunistic about what can you do lead with your heart, keep your people employed, feed the hospital workers, ties out there delivering Boba, right? Like, It's everybody's doing what we can. And so in, in one side, it's like, why do they need Boba? Well, it's something It's a thank you. It's a treat, but guess what? Somebody had to work to put those two together so we can put money in their pockets. If you're listening and you're not a business owner, you're, you're, you're lucky and you're privileged to have a paycheck that still clears every two weeks and you're working from home. Um, you're not helpless either figure out a way, go on Facebook, join some Facebook groups, find some friends, ask, who can I help? Who are the invisible helpers in our community right now that are actually supporting the supporters? Because we don't hear about that a lot. We, we hear about the masks donations. Great. We hear about other things, direct help to hospitals. That's, of course, absolutely important. But the second wave is if we don't uplift the grocery workers, the hospital workers, the postal delivery people. If they go, the system breaks too. And our our system's not built for that to be a prolonged thing, right? So um, thank you for what you do. You lead by example in getting ready to have this interview with you. Um, And again, much, much thanks to our brother, Ty, for for making the connection. I've had a, a very, very front row seat. Um, as your Facebook friend, to see what you post, to see what people say to you and about you. I feel very lucky to have gotten to know you in this brief time, looking forward to all the conversations that we're going to have. Um, You are already, you've already knocked it out of the park, and now you are using everything that you've earned and have built to not only do something that will make your grandparents proud, Because can you imagine our grandparents seeing our stuff Mm. in America? Like crazy, right? Like yours went through war. Mine went through war. Mine went through occupation. This is bonkers stuff. And it also really puts into perspective the stuff that we're being asked to do now (laughs) compared to what they were forced to go through. Like just stop, you know, stay home. That's it. It's okay. Or, you know people with your DNA and your blood who share your genes went through far worse for you to have that privilege. So, um, I know most people are out there are, are being super helpful. So, um, look, if, if you're up in the Bay, um, order from Alomar, um, 10% of the wing stops are, are Tony. So, um, <laughs> order and you got a 10% chance of, of putting money into his employees' pockets. Um, take a wild guess. Um, go, go buy some ice cream from Maven's, um, But look, overall, um, the best way that we can help right now, and while everybody needs help, um, I think as a community, we need to come together and start thinking about putting dollars back into our community. Um, These are ultimately our brothers, our sisters, our cousins, our sons and daughters. And if not them, it's because people are building businesses to support those people. So um, can't say it enough. Um, Thank you uh, for, for making time. Um, it's a challenging time. You're working from home. You've got kids at home. I've got kids at home. We're we're, we're doing the best with what we can, and to to better days. Um, may, maybe we'll get together for a Warrior Clipper game. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 been fun. Um, and, and so, Tony, I I want to end the show in the way that we end all of our shows, which is uh, a nod back to the name of the show. The um, Asian Americans is a love letter to us, and from us, and more importantly, for us. Uh, these are the words that I wish I had heard 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, these are the words that I want to leave to my kids and yours. Because when all this is gone, um, you know, I want them to know when to, in 2020 um, what dad and, and Uncle Tony talked about and what they actually did to build the lives that they have now, right? And it's with the hopes that maybe not as young as our own children, but somewhere in between (laughs) somebody hears these words and um, decides to take action that they otherwise wouldn't have or decide not to take an action that they thought they should have done. So um, if you would help us finish out the show and complete the letter, dear Asian Americans.
1: I want you to be inspired to follow your passion, to ignore all the naysayers that tell you you can't do these things that it is possible to make your dreams, you know, come true. Um, That's yeah. I think that guys, uh, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, I'm no different than, uh, you know, any of you guys. I just think big. I follow my passion and, you know, um, I give it all I have. And, one last thing I tell them is, make sure you pay it forward. You know, look out after your brothers and sisters out there who are struggling.
0: Always, thank you, Tony. Um, it's Friday evening. It's it's time for some chicken wings, <laughs> and um, to to better days. You know, it's funny. I'm, I started the show about six weeks ago, and I'm meeting most of my guests virtually now. Obviously, it's it's the safer mm-hmm. thing to do, and. I keep having these visions of having um, like a super delayed launch party for the show when all these things are over, but it's just going to be so fun to see everybody for the first time because we're getting to know each other on such a fun and um, deep level through these conversations. And um, I mean, I told wing, I was like, shit, I might rent out the whole restaurant one day and just, you know, fish (laughs) tacos and beer for everybody. Right. And, or, you know, we'll just have like a giant potluck of everybody, bringing their own, th- I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you know, it is, um, in these challenging times, I, I am glad that, you know, we could get FaceTime with you virtually of somebody who's generally super busy building his own empires. And, uh, you share this with us off camera, but, um, this is like the 10th show that you've done in the last two weeks. Um, so as, as busy as you are, as, uh, as a family man, as a businessman, as an employer of, of trying to keep everybody healthy, healthy. Um, you prioritizing your time to make sure that you can share your story with the rest of us um, to pay it forward. As you said, Um, really, really from the bottom of my heart. Thank you.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me on the show again, Jerry.
0: There's a lot to learn from guys like Tony, and I'm glad he was able to share some time with us. You heard the kids in the background. We're all going through challenging times. And uh, thanks again to Tony for making time for us. As you said, support your local restaurants. They're going through a lot of challenging times right now. However you can, even if you're just sharing a simple Facebook post of a friend's restaurant, you never know who's going to see it and you don't know what it means to that person. As we begin Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, let's just go on full support mode, support everything, like everything, comment on everything, check in on friends, let's elevate each other, let's inspire, motivate Just uplift each other in all that we do. Thank you again so much for listening. Share this story with a friend or two. Ask them to subscribe to the podcast. Let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know what your thoughts are. Um, I respond to everybody. Every single person that listens to our show means so much more. So happy to be on this journey with you all. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's have a great May. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay happy. Let's have a great month of May, and I'll see you guys soon.